Welcome to the Christy Taylor Show. Super excited to be here. And I have a very special friend and guest who's going to be giving us some great information. I am in election mode. And let me tell you who I have today is going to set it off. And that's none other than my friend, State Representative Antonio Parkinson. He is an amazing gentleman. He's dedicated to making Memphis a better place to live. And let me tell you, his latest creation, abettermemphis.com, was born as a venue for the citizens of Memphis and Shelby County to voice their likes, dislikes, opinions, praises, and solutions for issues that pertain to our city and county. And let me tell you, you need to get on the abettermemphis.com website to learn about amazing events and initiatives that he pretty much has championed for over a decade, if not two, we're not telling ages, but I know that District 98 is so happy to have him as their representative. I want you all to help me welcome my dear friend, and a colleague on so many levels, Representative Antonio Parkinson. Hey, what's happening? Thank you, Christine, and congratulations on the show. Thank you so very much. And I want to let you know that you are my official kickoff to the Christy Taylor Show. As you know, we've had plenty of conversations where you have been nudging, pushing, being wind beneath my wings. And thank you. I really appreciate it. And thank you for being a part of this first initial show. And we are in election season. And I have to tell you that that was one of the things that really went, that made me decide I had to add my voice to the course and begin to champion those who are on the front lines, who are making our country, our state and our city a better place. And definitely State Representative Antonio Parkinson, you are one of those champions. So um, for those who want to know more about you, who may not know you, which is kind of hard to say specifically in this city and in this state, but give some brief bio, your journey, and how you got to Memphis. Yeah, thank you. Uh, again, congratulations. What a great opportunity. Uh, so proud of you, first of all. And I, I got to get all of this out you know, <laughs> so, so that people know we go we go way, way back. I mean, way, way back. Way back. You know, and to see and, and watch your evolution uh, is awesome. And, um, and also, you know, to be able to be in the position that I am. I'm, I'm so thankful because uh, I am uh, absolutely operating in the purpose that God put me here for. And, uh, you know, sometimes that's very rare, you know, for people to actually fall into that purpose. Um, um, you know, there was a lot of training and, and experiences that, that, that got me here. Um, right. uh, most people that, that knew me from years ago but never, ever thought it, right? And, um, you know, but it was, it was always, uh, you know, in there. Uh, I was born in Open, California. Um, you know, we left Oakland, California when I was about two years old. I, I grew up, you know, the first, uh, well, the majority of my childhood in, in L.A. And, and then in my preteen years, we moved to Texas, where I finished high school and went on to Texas. Um, I was homeless three times before the age of 17. Uh, you know, made it through that. And, you know, uh, and, you know, a lot of times when you're going through these things, you don't understand what the reason is, what the purpose is, why, why things are happening. But everything has purpose. Um, I, and, and I believe that uh, a lot of the hardships that I was able to uh, endure or survive um, led to the purpose of me being able to to understand, empathize, sympathize with the people that I serve as state representative. So, so yeah, so so the Marine Corps, I went in the Marine Corps. Uh, this is the fast version of it. Went in the Marine Corps. The Marine Corps brought me to Memphis, and that's how I got here. I left for a few years, lived in Japan for a year, lived in the Carolinas for, for a couple of years, and came back. And, you know, because I saw that there was a lot of opportunity, a lot of opportunity to, to bring something new 
you know, to the city, to the area, to the community, and, and that's what we've been doing. So I'm excited about it. I love Memphis. love my people in Memphis. And one of the things I want to say, not only do you love Memphis, you love the North. Matter of fact, I see you got your team. <laughs> you got right. the tea on representing. Now, your love for North Memphis, because actually, for those who don't know, I was D.C. born, but when we moved out here, we were in Tiffin County, and we always kind of was in that north part of Shelby County, Millington, right. the raleigh Fraser area. Right. I know the North. Uh, right. what you <laughs> the as well? Was because were you stationed in Millington as well? Because I was, I was. Yeah, Millington was my first duty station. I actually went to the Marine Corps with an open contract, and uh, based on my 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 ASVAB scores, you know, they uh, gave me uh, air traffic control, and so wow. I went to air traffic control school in Millington. Then I went to uh, aircraft firefighting and rescue school in Millington, also. And, you know, um, after I got out of the Marine Corps, I became a firefighter with Shelby County Fire Department. And I uh, worked there for um, for 25 years before retirement. And, and I retired back in 2015. And, you know, that's what I'm doing. Uh, being a, a lot of people don't know about that part of your life. And right. some of those also, the other thing, and I see your keys in the back, so I got to give a shout out to the Touche that I know that was the musician. <laughs> right. Still still doing it. Still doing it. We literally just built a brand new studio uh, in the Raleigh area. So we're going to be launching uh, Black Market Creativity uh, here this year uh, with a new artist. And so we're working on artist development and some other things. And uh, we're ready. We're excited now, about it. One thing, Representative Parkinson, I want to put that handle on because we're about to get to the business of what's happening. This is 2020. <laughs> A year who that definitely is like none other. And it's a challenging year on so many levels. First of all, just your personal perspective on the year 2020. And then we're going to dig deep into the election, both from the local, state and national level. Okay. Yeah. So 2020 is, uh, I think the theme for 2020 should be who would have thought. Right. You know, because as we were coming into 2020, you know, looking at January 2020 vision, that's a, that was on everybody's social media. And, and, you know, everybody was excited about what was to come for 2020. And uh, 2020 threw us a hard curve. Yes. And, uh, yeah. Nobody. We didn't see it coming. And uh, and honestly, honestly, which is a perfect segue into what we're talking about elections. You know, n nobody was prepared. The state was not prepared. Local government was not prepared federal government was not prepared. And, and, and so it's kind of, uh, you know, piled us into this mess that we're in. And, and unfortunately, you know, we've had uh, leadership, elected leadership uh, in the administrations. And when I say the administrations, I'm talking about, um, you know, the government, governor's uh, administration in the state of Tennessee. And, uh, you know, of course, uh, the administration at the federal level with uh, Trump. And, and it's just been, you know, political leadership, you know, to the point to where it hasn't been people-centric or focused on people and their health as much as it has been focused on their political uh, life, so to speak. Right. And and that's unfortunate when, you know, when you put politics over the lives of, of humans and, and, and the people that you are really sent to serve and protect. And, right. you know, and it's, it's, it's been basically... Um, uh, a travesty. I'm trying to use a kind word here, but uh, but it's been it's it's difficult. Been, it's difficult to give kind words. It is. It is. It's, it's been know, terrible. to be right. Uh, 
one of the things that I want you to address, okay, I'm going to take it to your district, which is, you know, the demographics. First of all, you have a very broad district, District 98. Let's talk about District 98. Right, yeah, District 98, the best district in all of Tennessee's legislative <laughs> Of course yeah, it is. I, I, I love it, you know, um, I love it. It's, it's interesting. I love it uh, for the people, and I love it for, you know, the topography and, you know, and, and, and its placement. You know, and I tell people, you know, cause, because I'm a, I'm a nature person, too, I tell people that, that, that the, Raleigh, yeah, the Raleigh community and North Memphis communities and Frazier community. Which I don't, I don't have any in Fraser, but, but you know, I do have Raleigh, North Memphis, a little bit of Raleigh, but we're surrounded by three rivers. You know, we have the Lusahatchee River to the north, we have the Wolf River to the south, and we have Mississippi River to the west, and so we're kind of in that pie wedge space, you know, uh, for our community, which makes it beautiful, and uh, you know, a lot of great outdoor scenic uh, space, and 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 I want us to take advantage of that, and so I've been working. To, to move that our district into that space to where adventure tourism is, is, is a big part of it. And adventure tourism is the four-wheeling, hiking, biking, canoeing, you know, paddle boating, whatever you want to do, uh, you know, is, is a part of that. And we're starting to see people get out more and more. You know, we were the first to call for the demolition of the uh, Raleigh Springs Mall. And if you are, are able to see what is in place of it now, it's, it's yes, amazing. It's gorgeous. It is. It is. I say we. I always tell people, hey, we got springs coming up out of the lakes, right? And they they turn blue at night if you want them to, right? Yeah. Oh, so it's, it's gorgeous. It's beautiful. And uh, so so we're excited about that. I've uh, recently moved my office from Stage Road to the Austin Peay Corridor, also directly across the street from the uh, Raleigh Town Center. And so yeah, yeah, we're excited about the people. But the people of District 98 are amazing. What what I love more than anything about the people of District 98 is the fact that they allow me to be 100% who I am. So I don't have to put on this act of a politician because I, I really I really don't like politicians. I really no, don't. You don't. <laughs> yeah, I really don't. Um, I'm serious. I, and, you know, because I, I, I don't, the, the word it connotate take, 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 take me, 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 me. I like servants. I, we just have elected servants. Yes. All the people that 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 I've helped to elect, uh, or especially those that were hand chosen by myself, like uh, Michael and East Department City Councilwoman. Great choice, the, great choice. Right, Rhonda Logan, City Councilwoman, uh, Stephanie Love, uh, uh, School Board, Willie Brooks County Commission. Those people, they uh, uh, and, and others, they, they come from the ground up like you know kind of like my track was where we were out there in the community serving people first before we stuck our hand out asking them for their vote you know and i just think it's very leech like for a person to show up at your doorstep or show up you know on your phone and say hey vote for me vote for me and, and they cannot quantify or justify any actions that they've taken before asking you for something that would help you know, and you know, our people are suffering. You know, we, we're, the, we're one of the most impoverished cities in the nation. Our people are suffering. And so if, 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 if those that are asking you for your vote have not done the work before they ask you for your vote, you should tell them to kick rocks. And I believe in that. And so when we, when we recruit people to, to run for office, you know, we're looking for that person that's been serving already before they decide to come and, and ask for your vote.
Well, one of the things that I really love about your community activism that has been around, even when you were in the music industry, is that you are about the groundswell. You are about the ground roots. And, you know, I know even in my radio career, I've had opportunities to be a part and participate with your block party for peace. Yes. And um, we can talk very briefly about that in abettermemphis.com mm -hmm. and how it has, if I should say, impacted your influence on, on the Hill. Yes. Nashville. So let's talk about, because you are about grassroots, you are an anti-politician who's a politician mm -hmm. and you have recruited amazing talent in the African-American community and throughout the city that also have the people-centric um, focus. Um, but a better Memphis, Black, Pop, Black Party for Peace, and how those type of organizations and uh, initiatives impact your decisions on state capital. Yeah, you know, it, it's, it's where the people are. And, and, and the thing is, is this. The issues or the challenges that people face are in their households, you know, in their neighborhoods, in their communities, at the, at the, the micro level. And, and if we're not affecting what's happening at the micro level, we are failing the people. Because, you know, it's, it's, it's that conversation at the dinner table or that conversation on the way to school that, that where, the, where the challenges are, 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 are centered. You know, how can I get my child safely to school? Why is my child having to walk past uh, abandoned houses with weeds taller than my child to get to school. Somebody can snatch him or her into the weeds. Uh, you know, why do I have to make a decision as to whether or not I'm going to put gas in the car to go to work or put food on the table or pay the light bill? You know, why am I, me and my three children living in my aunt's house or with grandma? You know, these, you know, these are the things that are, are important to people. Not this, you know, these fringe uh, issues, <coughs> excuse me, these fringe issues that, you know, what to me are red herring that, you know, some of these politicians throw out there. You know, people are hotter than me. How are we gonna, how, how are we gonna keep the rain off of us? Right. You know, how are we gonna keep a roof over our head? You know, um, uh, what, what kind of quality education is my child going to receive? Right? Why does my child school in in on Hawkins Mill look like this, but the children's school in Collierville look like this? Right. Right. Explain it. You, you see what I'm saying? And so, so those are things that 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 are in those 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 uh, events. You know, the block party for peace, uh, Fresh Starts Community Baby Shower. Uh, you know, uh, all of the other things that 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 we do that that or how we touch people in community. Mass for Memphis. You know, we're out there touching and hearing and talking to the people so that we you know we get a we get a direct shot of what it is that they're dealing with. And not any statistical stuff, you know, you know what the numbers say because they 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 adjust those numbers to say what they want to say. Right. And it can be done. And so we just, we want to know now. What are the people saying? What's happening on the ground? And so we, hey, we keep ourselves down there right next to you. 
one of the reasons I wanted to kind of give you that space to talk about your grassroots effort is because you are a person who likes to hear from the people, which is one reason why I loved during the, I'll just say the summer of 2020 with the protests across this country and world, how even in Nashville, you were very supportive of hearing from those who wanted to let their voice be known about police brutality, about Black Lives Matter. And we are now finding, however, on the Hill, that there has been opposition to protesters, which is constitutional, having a voice. And even most recently, a law has been passed from Tennessee that has received national recognition. Let's talk about that, Representative Parker. No, it's, 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 it's a sad state of affairs and frankly embarrassing that they literally called us we were out of session we were done with session this year they literally called us back into session in order to pass the most regressive piece of legislation that's probably been passed among any state this year and that is basically create a vehicle for political prisoners in the state of Tennessee. Those that voice their dissent can be jailed, you know, uh, based on some of this legislation that was passed, you know, in the Tennessee legislature. And and, and, and some of it is is, is they, they will remove their ability to vote. Some of it, you know, they they is it, a felony. And, you know, uh, and then the killer part is so you can basically be a homeless person sleeping on the ground of this uh, of a public plaza. And, and receive a felony because you you know because they could say you you were uh, protesting on or you know on the grounds of the public plaza. If you would, for us who have not read it, can you break down very the specifics? And after you break down the specifics, what is the your sage wisdom for the workaround? So, so, so the thing is, is this, you know, the, 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 in layman's terms, um, they, they're saying that if, if what is the name of the law? What is the name of the law? That it, it's, it's, it's a, it's a number with it. I don't, I don't remember what the number is, but yeah, uh, but they're basically saying that if, if you are protesting, um, and, and, you know, and you get in the face of an officer or, um, you know, you can be you can be held accountable, and, and some of some of the it's, it's multiple punishments, and some of them are felony level, some of them are misdemeanor level, and and, and 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 you know, and so they were saying, well, we just want to punish those that are uh, uh, not protesting peacefully, mm. and so and you know, and, and and that's that's a bunch of BS, and and and, and you know, here's the thing, here's the most interesting part of this. Because one of the things that I said was, now you'll punish the protesters because they're out there protesting and, and you know, and they may be a little angry. Yes, they may be a little angry. Hell, I would be angry too if my loved one was shot and killed, my unarmed and shot and killed in, in the street, or, 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 you know, if his neck or her neck was kneeled on the street, hell, I would be angry too. And, but you'll punish them, but you won't. Even you'll kill every piece of legislation that would go after fixing the reason they're out there in the first place. Right, right. And so, so you won't, you won't, you'll punish 
all of the protesters for what you call for a small group of protesters that may make the protest look like they're violent. Mm -hmm. But you won't punish the small group of officers that make all of the great officers look like they're violent. Right, right. And, it, and it's sad because, and, and, and it's unfortunate and it's unacceptable you know that, that we're we're we we have people that are at that are making the rules, mm -hmm. and this is how they want to make the rules, and it's all for political. Now, since we are in a hotly contested election, mm -hmm. and we have a very active community here in Memphis and throughout Tennessee, I want your advice on how we need to quote unquote behave or move forward while exercising our right to vote, our ex exercise our right to protest peacefully, how can we in the state of Tennessee with the current legislation, current bill that he, governor signed um, between now and election, still be able to give voice to what even just happened in Kenosha, Wisconsin with Jacob Blake? We want to give voice to what is hurting us from 400 years since the civil rights, even through this current you know, climate. Um, what's your advice? So this is where this is where the show is great right now, but this is where the show gets really, really good. So we've been doing, and I'm talking to my people, we've been doing the same thing over and over and over again. And they're still killing us. Yes. The the definition of insanity is Keep on doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. That's insane. Now, mm -hmm. I have nothing against protesters. In fact, I encourage protesters because that creates awareness, right? But it's not enough to create awareness. Where is the action behind creating that awareness that will make people do something different? You have to apply a different method in order to make people do some do things differently. Now, I am not, it's a couple of things that I think is important. I am not advocating violence, but I do advocate defense. So I think that if, if you want to see the gun laws change, then send every 18 to 34 year old black male out there to get their gun from me. I love the gun laws change. And Tennessee recently changed that. So we actually have more access to gain Rights to guns. You, 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 the thing is, is this: they make these laws for for themselves. But when you start applying the laws to yourself, then they're going to change the laws again. So every eighteen and thirty-four year old go out and go to a gun safety class and get your gun permit. So so you can actually know what you're doing and understand the law and understand stands around and understand when and how you can defend yourself with that weapon. That's number one. Second thing is this. I want you to think about this. The, the United States of America, the language of America is not English, it's not Spanish, it is capitalism. Ooh, you are That's the language of America. So while you're protesting and saying BLM and, you know, no justice, no peace, you to, to, uh, to the to the American administration, those who run this country, you sound like the teacher on the Charlie Brown 
cartoons. Seriously. <laughs> you know, they're like, Right. And, and believe it or not, there are some smart and crafty individuals that are in places that are running this, this country. And I'm going to go back a little bit and then I'm going to come back to where I am. During 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 the civil rights movement and, and, and you know segregation, desegregation, some white guy probably sitting around in one of the um, you know, uh, country club means I just run this part up in my head. So this is what I visualize it look like. You had you had some probably southern white guy that said the 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 N words need to stay in their own area. This that enough. They don't need to be you know coming over here trying to eat at our restaurants and live in our neighborhoods. This that another. And some smarter white guy in the country club, probably a business owner. Probably lean back in the chair and say, such and such, let them come. They bring their money with them. And they spend money in our businesses because, in a lot of cases, they think we're going to have superior product when it's the same product that they have in their neighborhood. And and that wise person opened it up when he was dead on and we took all of our money over to their, their businesses their neighborhood, because we felt like it was, it was a better neighborhood to live in. You know, we felt like um, um, their department store was better than the one in our neighborhood. You know, or better, you know, Macy's is better than Jimmy's Fashion Corner. They probably get all the the same place, right? And, and, and we started spending our money there. So that they started thinking that capitalism, right? And their language, and, and they became and we, we, we abandoned all of our industry that we own and, and built theirs. And now, so- I have to interject. There is, based on historical documents and history, it was a two-pronged attack. You know, I remember my mother's mother, you know, being born at the turn of the century, like 1903. You know, they were actually segregated as well. They did not want integration. They did want to maintain after the reconstruction period, you know, things that happened in the 19th century to have black independence, black economic, you know, empowerment, like, you know, you know, education. You know, that's when we had, you know, a mad, you know, rush into politics, creation of you know the universal life insurance company, you know, all mm-hmm. of Tulsa. Tulsa, mm-hmm. you know, Durham, Rosewood. Right. You know, East St. Louis, Memphis. Right. So there was a two-pronged attack in the 20th, early 20th century to make mm-hmm. us codependent on the capitalistic system. Um, and I remember a statement that they used to make in, you know, deep in the country, like, which is one reason why a lot of businesses failed, going back to what your point was, is that they began to communicate in the midst of terrorizing the black business owners that the white man's ice was colder. And I remember the movie Once Upon a Time When We Were Colored that that was underscored. So you had two things happening at the same time. First, an attack on those who were pro-Black economics, pro-Black independence, mm-hmm. you know, understood that we built this country the first time and we could build our own. And then you didn't have those, as you said, that smart gentleman who was leaning back and saying, wait, 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 wait. They make Let them come. Let them come. Let them come. Yeah. To the point now that 
it is built upon, like you said, that whole um, the white man's ISIS code is built in white supremacy and that we in our capitalistic, we have fully, I think, have been Americanized in the last 50 years. And to simulate. I mean, it's not a negative, it's just a fact, but how do we, within the context of that duality now, still move forward? As you said, you can't just keep saying, stop beating me. You can't keep saying, stop oppressing me. You have to go past the- no, yeah. and, 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 and you're dead on, in fact, that, that those words don't even need to be uttered out of your mouth because you're in control of you. Yeah, you know, and, and 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 here's the thing. So now we come back to uh, uh, where I was going earlier. With there were, I think maybe four or five instances where America shifted on its axis right. into a new space. Yes. One was when the rich people. Watch this now. The rich people were being taxed by England. Yes. And, and the rich people talk to poor people into fighting their war against England. Say, hey, that's taxation without representation. The tax wasn't even on the poor people of the colonies. It was on the rich people. And, and so they started dumping tea in the Boston Harbor. They called it the Boston Tea Party. Tea party. And then a revolutionary war happened in America. And they formed their own nation. Exactly. Right. And it was based on money. It was always based on money. Based on money. Rival of those businessmen and corporations from England, that was a money move. Those who right. had come for religious freedom were not participating and still do not to this day right. participate in the American, the United States or colonies in the Americas. And right. I, we, it's, it's, it's such a deep conversation that I know you and I will have to have multiple uh, shows about is that Black labor, Black economic power, which is going to your point, is, is, is the foundation of this nation. And if we learn truthfully that our very presence in America, in these, in these United States of America, is the economic power, we can wield more power when you start speaking to the capitalist language, start speaking that capitalistic language because we are the capitalist language. We were what they printed. We are what generated it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and so that was number one. Then number two, the, 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 the north part of this country decided, hey, we're gonna become industrialized, which will give us, more, give us the ability to generate more money and resources for our country because other countries were becoming industrialized and they said, hey, you folks in the South, we're gonna have to, we're gonna change the system. So we need to abolish slavery. It was about money, right? It was about we, money. We, we, we were the uh what's the term I'm trying to uh, I want to use uh uh and I because I said it about how they were doing the education system also, they were taking kids and making them into the product, you know. Right. For, and, and so and so when 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 the North said, hey. We got to abolish slavery because we're going to put machines instead in place instead. Uh, the South uh, was mad. And they said, hey, you are going to literally tear our entire economy apart. Which was, so, right, which was the point. <laughs> which was about money. So the war was fought and America shifted again on its axis. Right? It was a different America after that. The third time was when 
uh, uh, this group of young black folks said, hey, mm. we are not going to spend a dime in this economy in Alabama and these other states. We're not going to get on these buses. They started speaking that language. That was the language that America oh, understood. Uh, it sure did. They started talking right. to the capitalists. And America shifted on its axis yet again. Right? And then the fourth time, oh I think this was the biggest shift, was when those world banks were attacked in in New York. Them towers came. 9 11. And it was about money. It was the about world, the world trade centers. Exactly. Down. America shifted on its axis yet again. Now, we've been protesting these, these, uh, the killings of unarmed African Americans, right? And by not just by law enforcement, right. we're talking about by anybody, by Vigilantes. the guy, uh, Ahmaud Arbery, you know, anybody can kill a black person. And then we 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 start protesting. Right. We start protesting, and 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 we may tear some stuff up, right? But the stuff that we're tearing up is insured, and so it's going to be they're going to get the money for it from that. And we have yet to direct. And I'm telling you, listen, Christy, all it takes is one one example of of, of the death of something from an economic standpoint, and America will start listening. But, but because of protesting and not directing our, our dollar, right. they're going to let you protest till you fall and turn blue and fall out in the street. In fact, I'm they're going to put the bricks, bricks, put the bricks in place along your parade march so that you can throw them and they can get some insurance money. Which and is what happened this year. Which is literally absolutely, absolutely. all of these which is the reason why corporate America started putting banners up on Black Lives Matter. It became Absolutely. it became the Vogue thing because there are, I would just say there are instruments within American society that is trying to up, create a new America, capitalistically speaking. So when you do have people who are from the, we say the fringes, I don't believe they're from the fringes, that are literally amid protest targeting companies like they did, you know, across this country where you mm -hmm. see people who apparently were hired to burn down buildings. Right, right. When you started seeing, okay, let's speak to the Black Lives Matter because if they're not out there, you know, what they say, raising cane, then the other people can't be in the midst creating chaos. We have right. now become a tool of distraction our protests have been hijacked right right in a lot of cases yes and but but again you don't have to protest physically if you protest anyway. with your money that's right i mean you know you can it's a lot of things that can be solved with the money you can protest without having to step foot on the street without having to carry one single sign and 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 keep yourself safe at the same time, you know, from from the pandemic. And so, but but we have to direct our money. Here's the last thing I think that's important for people to know too, that we have to have a strategy. You know what the the our 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 part of our biggest challenge is the fact that 
we're always reacting to a strategy or responding to a strategy that has been laid 10 or 15 years ago. And they're just operating in that strategic plan. But because we lack a strategic plan to be offensive minded, mm -hmm. we are responding defensively to their offensive minded strategic plan. And you're always on your heels because you don't know what their play is that they're going to run. Mm -hmm. And so and so and that and that's the thing. And, and it doesn't mean let me be clear on this, too. It doesn't mean that this is a uh, a divided uh, black versus white or you know, a uh, black agenda versus a white agenda. No, but we need an agenda. And, and there's no, I don't know of any business or institution that operates successfully without a mission and a vision and an, and an agenda to a guidebook, a framework to operate in, to move forward, to get to your goal. If you play a football game, you have a playbook. And we're going to use these plays to, to get to the end zone to score a touchdown to win the game. And we don't have that. We lack that. And that's vitally important. Now, and, Representative and, Parkinson, we do know that there are quite a few celebrities who have, you know, come to the platform. LeBron James is one who I totally appreciate his approach, um, even from the school to his being vocal within the league. Then we also have other celebrities who have formulated, Ice Cube being one, an actual black agenda, which is has, I would say, similar points that were the talented tenth said over a century ago on how to approach and advance in America. So when you have people who are on, you know, grassroots levels, celebrities included, and everyone in between coming up with their own plans and platforms, how do we in our own okay, because oftentimes we have to speak to us because we're not a monolith. We are very, very varied within the African-American community. What would you say bringing this energy in to Memphis, to the state of Tennessee in a national election from your perspective? Now, I heard, you know, pro, you know, gun, you know, Second Amendment. We need to embrace that more aggressively. We need to understand that boycotting is just awareness. It's basically promotion and marketing one-on-one, bringing attention to an issue. But we can now through- Protesting, not boycotting, protesting. Pro, yeah, yeah, protesting. Yeah, protesting is just a marketing and promotion. It's bringing awareness to a cause or an issue or concern. But then there is the power of the purse, which what we have traditionally known as boycotting. And we can do that in ways now that our ancestors couldn't because we can do it literally on our laptops. You know, like what we buy, what we order, where we right. shop where we live, you know, uh, where we invest. But right. in this election year, I, I just want to get to the last part of the Republic with the democratic process that we have as a tool. You know, we can be, you know, support the Second Amendment as well as our right to, you know, the right to speak, you know, the First Amendment. We also have the ability to be wise with our capitalistic investments, you know, where we put our money. Um, can we speak to one of the other ones that we have long fought for? John Lewis marched, walked, and committed his life to, which was our voice in the political process. So look, it's funny. Um, Asian Americans are probably one of the lowest 
uh, groups when it comes to voting. But when it comes to economics, part of probably one of the highest groups. And I'm not advocating not voting, but I am advocating economics. economics. You know, um, uh, I think that everybody should vote. I think that when you when you withhold your vote, you know, you are literally voting for somebody else that that you know does not uh, or could possibly not have your interest in heart. So I think that's risky. I also think it's very, very important to hold elected officials accountable. I think that's vitally important. And I think that we as elected officials have to hold elected officials accountable also. And that's why we, we purposely uh, uh, recruited Michael and Easter Thomas and uh, Wanda Logan you know, for those city council races because we saw that the, the representation that was supposed to be there for the north part of the city was being advocated and the, the, the resources that could have came to our area was being sent to the more affluent areas. And so, and so by the, those people that were supposed to be representing our areas. And so, and so I think it's vitally important that you hold that there's accountability and accountability comes through your vote. That's the referendum. That's so what I'm referendum. hearing is vote and follow up. Vote and follow up. Vote and follow up. That's right. That's the referendum. That is, uh, you remember when, when we worked for somebody, right, and they would give us a, a, an evaluation, right, an annual evaluation, right? Hey, you're good at this, you're not so good at this, you suck at this, and, you know, hey, we want more of this, right? Well, that's their evaluation, that vote. And so when you push that button, yay or nay, for that person, you are giving them their evaluation. If they represent your, your needs, if they or they there for the things that they did they follow through with the things that they said they were going to do. Now, if you don't vote, then you're not you're not evaluating, so to speak, that individual, or you're 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 um, advocating your and watch this your responsibility mm. to you, you you your family, your child, yeah. your neighborhood, your community. And so, you know, so if you don't want to vote for you because you're mad or you're angry or you, you know, don't feel like anybody's doing anything, this, that, nothing, you do it for your child because your child is going to inherit this rat bastard that you decide to allow in, right? right? They're going to have to deal with a mess. And so, you know, and, and look at the situation with, with Trump and I feel and hear Ice Cube. I, 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 I get you, O'Shea Jackson. But... <laughs> But and, and I do believe that there is a need for a, uh, a, a plan. But here's the issue with that I have with it. You're asking someone else to provide a plan for you. No, we develop the plan and give it to them. See, see, people, there's a there's a a, a, a mix-up on how civics work. I'm not elected to decide what I want to do for our, our community, I'm able to carry the message for our community to Nashville among other representatives and try to fight to get our message or our agenda or our plan or our strategy of what will benefit my community across to the rest of these legislators and convince them, hey, that's a good idea. Right? That's my job. My job is not to 
tell you what to do or I'm not a king or a dictator or we're not in an authoritarian form of government. We are in a representative form of government, which means that you tell me what to do, my job is to take my ass up there and do it. <laughs> That's what I'm supposed to do as, 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 as the person that you elected. So I get uh, what what it is or they're saying. I get what Cube is saying. But I think there might be a slight misunderstanding of how civics work. You know, they don't tell you what they're going to do. You tell them what you want them to do. That's a conversation. That's a conversation that my brother and I have. He has been um, flabbergasted. I'm gonna use that word because I like flabbergasted. Right. Many people of power literally do not understand civics. That do not understand we're a republic with a democratic process and that it is rep by representation and that we're supposed to, as you say, give them the agenda and right. represent us in our interests. Now, in the event, let's talk to the national election. We know that it was hotly contested in the Democratic Party, the DNC, throughout the last year, 18 months. You know, extreme, you know, we have extremes in this country, progressive conservatives, and then the moderates are really the ones, in my opinion, in the last... 10 years have been suffering because people are more polarized and they are finding that the center is too elitist. And so it's like, well, they're not interested in what I'm talking about because I want all of this now. I don't want none of that. How can a person who's in the middle, because I think that's where, as we say, the soul of America, what we're really fighting for is to find our center. I'm using a little uh, metaphysical yoga, mm -hmm. finding our center. And I think America doesn't want to find her center realistically. That's why we're polarized. But how can you encourage us? I'm asking you, as my uh, friend who is a politician who's anti-politics, how can we find our center in a time when we are polarized? You know, you know, two things. One, we elected a, a black president um, 12 years ago. You know, uh, 2008, I remember being in, in, on the um, football field, on the, on the ground, when Barack Obama in Denver, Colorado, was accepting the nomination for uh, the Democratic nominee for president of the United States. I was there. And, and, and that, so that pendulum, we were coming, remember this now, let me take you back. Remember, we were coming out of the George Bush era. And Correct. we thought George Bush, oh my God, he's the worst man. How could America ever be in this situation like this? Oh my God, man, if we had George Bush Right. And then and so and then so with George Bush, uh the younger Bush, that that pendulum swung swung this far. Yeah. And it swung far enough to where the reaction was, let's elect this black president. Right. right? And we got Barack Obama, so that pendulum went a little bit further. And then the reaction from to that, to that was whoop, and it almost, oh, it's it almost yeah. got a revolution, right? And so now we're coming back again, yeah. and 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 so that's that's to me that's cosmic nature. That is yes, right? yes. So, so hopefully the momentum of the pendulum. Will begin to slow down a little bit right. and start to bring us back, you know, right. closer to center than where it was. And so, and so, you know, I, I just say this: 
But in the event, I, I want to jump in, but in the event, through a multiplicity of ways that we know elections are ran in this country, that we don't have a person who's a moderate in the White House this fall. And we do have Donald Trump four more years. I want to close with your wise advice on how we can steal on the local and state level and even national, because you're talking about holding elected officials accountable. Um, find our own center here in this city and in the state. You know, I, I think that that we should be extremely concerned about four more years of Donald Trump. You know, I, if, if Donald Trump doesn't have an F to give because he gets four more years and it doesn't matter what I do, we are in trouble, serious trouble. If he's been that person that we've seen in these first four years when there should or could be accountability through through the re-election process or, you know, to have him for four more years when it doesn't matter because I can be reelected anyway, we should be extremely concerned. And so I say that, look, there are no circumstances, I don't care what the arguments are, I don't care if, if Joe Biden had a dog on mic stand as a, as a running mate or a soccer ball, we need to be voting for Joe Biden for soccer ball so that we do not have four more years of Donald Trump. Thank you. Thank you. <sighs> I want to call you Touche. You can call me Touche. Parkinson. Thank you so very much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's been a great show. Way to launch. Way to go. Thank you. And for those who want to learn more about me, check this out.